Hi, this is Kurt Brower with the midweek message from Manah Krishna Ohana for February 24th, 2021. The message is called The Lulu, Our Offering to God. Let's take a moment to think of a wooden offering bowl. In fact, I have it right here with a Hawaiian name, the Lulu. Looks like this. The word Lulu has been used in English as a name for a nightclub, a clothing chain, even a Scottish singer of all things. In Hawaiian, one of the meanings of the word lulu is donation or offering, or in this case, the bowl in which we place offerings. The history of our lulu dates back 20 years or so to the founding of our church, which began in Kahu and Jenny's home as an informal gathering of believers, much like the early Christian church did, which gathered in people's homes. They opened their home to family, friends, and strangers alike and welcomed everyone who came in the name of Jesus. But they decided it didn't make sense in their own home to pass around an offering plate during the service because these were people they had invited in and inviting people over and then asking them for money didn't seem quite right. So they placed a wooden bowl on a table and anybody who wanted to could put something in there if they did and if they didn't, no problem. So this is the Lulu, the bowl in which we place our gifts to God right here. And we've been using it for the past 20 years. So placing any anything in it is a matter of choice for us, just like the early Christian church, as we see in this passage from Acts. Acts chapter 4, verses 33 to 35. And it says, With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that they were, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. And we also voluntarily give offerings from our income. Instead of placing the gifts at the apostles' feet, obviously we use the lulu that I showed you, the offering bowl. So why does this tradition of giving money to God or giving crops to God or cattle to God, why does it even exist? After all, he doesn't need our money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He created the heavens and the earth. And if money was what he was after, then that would be pretty easy for him. But he doesn't want our money. Instead, he wants our love and our obedience. He wants the very thing he's always wanted, a relationship with us as his children. He wants to to reunite the family of God. And God created the human race in his image, male and female, in his image. But sin and human willfulness, willfulness broke up the family. A huge chasm opened between God and us. And God tried other means to restore our relationship, but they didn't work. So he sent his son to die on the cross at Calvary. John 3, 16 through 17. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And for us, the cross is the bridge. It's the only way we can get across the chasm that divides mankind from God. The gospel message proclaims that redemption from sin and eternal life with God have been made possible only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And Christ paid the price and built the bridge that leads us back home to our Father.
And we can receive the gift of salvation and eternal life by declaring Jesus as our Lord and Savior and by believing that God raised him from the dead. Now, does the act of giving to the church help us restore our relationship with God by itself? No. We must first be drawn by God to accept Jesus as our Savior. And then when we do that, everything changes. And we begin to see a whole new world, a spiritual world opening up before us. To accept the Spirit of God through Christ means that we have to let go of the power of this material world. We have to see the temporary nature of life on earth and of our possessions. So God does not command us to give. Instead, he teaches and exhorts us to let go of the things of this world. Turning towards God and away from the world is so important that the Bible teems with lessons on money, possessions, investing, debt, taxes, everything. In fact, there are more verses in the Bible that deal with money than deal with prayer. The Bible shows that we have to choose between serving God on one hand or the world on the other, between being obedient to God or the dictates, the dictates of money. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, money isn't bad in and of itself. We can use money as a tool, just as we use cars and trucks and shovels, iPhones, computers, and everything else we use. Used properly, money makes things easier. But when we seek money and possessions more than we seek God, we serve the material world and we neglect him. We neglect him. And that's why Paul warned Timothy that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil outcomes. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10 says, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many, many griefs. So money in itself is not evil. But the love of money can lead us away from God. And it, it's up to us as members of this body of Christ to deal with money in the way God intended. To use it as a tool to better our lives and to contribute to the kingdom of God. To serve God and to obey him requires discipline. But it also requires trust. And one way we can demonstrate our trust is to give the first fruits of the harvest or of the income we receive. And this is from Matthew, Malachi, I'm sorry, Malachi 3, 7 through 12. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. <clears throat> return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. <clears throat> but you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, God says. But you ask, how are we robbing you? in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. 
I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Wow. Think back on the moment in which you first maybe thought about giving money to God or gave money to God. That moment marked a change in your life and in your heart because you willingly parted with some of your hard-earned cash as an offering to God. You trusted enough to pay back to God some of the financial blessings you've received. Now, to be sure, God does not need our money. I think we talked about that. The giving of crops or cattle or money is not the end result that he wants. He wants our attention, our time, and our love, our trust. He wants us to turn to him first in our lives, as Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. So this week, as you work on the job or at home, seek God first. He's given you the breath of life and all you have. Give him your attention first thing in the day. Seek him as well late at night. Just as we put money into the Lulu, into the offering bowl, put moments of your time over to God too. Take a moment here and there and give it back to God. Whether you're at home or at work or at school, just pause and turn to him. He wants you in that moment. Then keep him in your heart no matter what you're doing. Colossians 3.23 says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Each moment you turn to God and turn away from the cares and anxieties of this world becomes a bond between you and him. You show God your desire to be part of his family, a child of the living God. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So as we develop our relationship with God, we have the opportunity to become his children as the Apostle John wrote towards the end of his life, 1 John 3, 1 through 2. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So just as we place offerings in the Lula, let's also offer our lives up to God. For we were lost, but now we've been found. We were blind, but now we can see. Once we are separated from God, but now we live as children of God. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, we are here, your children. We've sought you, and you've said if we seek you, and find, seek you, we will find you if we seek you with all of our heart. So we're here, Lord God, and we just wish to be your children, to, to follow your commands and to do that which makes you happy and to lift up the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.